if you brought your Bibles tonight, and I hope that you have, turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Uh, we were at chapter 13 this morning, and I want to take you, to, and, I, and I told you, I've um, been telling you for a couple of weeks I want to preach about David. Uh, it's interesting, Jimmy's not been here, there's no way he could have known, but he made mention of a man that he knew that had the ability to look past the outward appearance and see what's on the inside. And that goes along with what I want to preach about tonight. Uh, and so seeing things the way that God sees them. And seeing what God sees maybe is a way to say that. And so I told you I've been for a while now, I've been wanting to preach to you a little bit about David. And uh, my intention was to do that this morning, but I couldn't get past Saul. And so anyways, and we still may talk about Saul a little bit tonight, but I want to preach to you about David. So anyways, hopefully you found First Samuel chapter 16 by now. I want to read the, uh, begin reading in the chapter, read the first several verses, and we'll go, to the Lord, uh, we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. I want you to pay special attention now. Uh, verse 1 says, And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul? Seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Fill thine horn with oil and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, uh, <clears throat> for I have provided me a king among his, sin, uh, his sons. Now, I'm going to stop for just a second. Notice what God says to Samuel there. Quit mourning uh, for Saul, right? Quit, quit you know, moping around in... in uh, feeling bad over what has happened with Saul. Uh, he's, and God makes it clear, I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. And he says, you know, fill your horn, get ready to go anoint a new king because I found a man, uh, I, a son of Jesse the Bethlehemite, uh, that I have provided me for a king, right? And so anyways, does that not go with, right? Remember what the, the last two verses that we read this morning and what I emphasized on was verse 13 and verse 14 of chapter 13 where Samuel said to fell, Thou hast done foolish, thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee, for now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. Remember I preached about that. Uh, what David had could have been Saul's. Uh, and then it goes on in verse 14, But now thy kingdom shall not continue. It's been removed from Saul. Uh, the Lord has sought him a man after his own heart. That's one of the sons of Jesse, right? The Lord has commanded him to be a captain over his people because thou has not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Go back to chapter 16. Listen to this first verse again. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing that I have rejected him from reigning over Israel. Do you see how them go together, right? Do you see how we're in this part of what's going on, the story, we're moving right along here. Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, uh, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hear it, he will kill me. Uh, and then it goes on. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with thee and say, I am come to sacrifice the Lord. And call Jesse to the sacrifice. And I will show thee what thou shalt do. And thou shalt anoint unto me him 
whom I name unto thee. Right? He's saying, I will point out to you which one of his boys it is, and you anoint him. Verse 4, And Samuel did that which the Lord spake, and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Comest thou peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. Verse 6. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Elam and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Then Jesse made Shema, or however you say his name, I don't know, to pass by. And he said, Neither hath the Lord chosen this. Again, Jesse made seven of his sons to pass before Samuel. And Samuel said unto Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remain yet the youngest. And behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him, for we will not set down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy, and with all of a beautiful countenance, and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. Let us pray together. Will you bow your heads with me? Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for the good day and the many blessings. We thank you, Lord, for what you've already done in this service here tonight. We thank you, Lord, for what you're still yet to do. We thank you, Lord, for the, uh, the nation that we live in, the freedom that we have. We thank you, Lord, for each one who, who fought and died and sacrificed and bled so that we could have that freedom. We thank you, Lord, for the roof you put over our head. Lord, you provided for us in every way. You've been so much better to us than what we deserve. But we thank you most of all tonight for your son, Jesus. Lord God, that you sent him and give him. Lord, you provided him the perfect sacrifice, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God, you loved us so much. We didn't deserve it, but yet you still yet, in spite of that, even though while we were still yet your enemy, Lord, you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son to be that perfect sacrifice. You sent him, and he, and he died for our sins. And Lord, we thank you, Lord. There's not enough uh, that we could do to repay you. We couldn't thank you enough. Uh, 
but Lord, let us always give you the praise and glory. And God, let us not forget that that's not the end. That's not where it ended. Uh, Lord, but yet because uh, uh, he didn't stay dead. Right, Lord? Uh, because on the third day he's risen and now he's ascended and he's sitting at your right hand. And because he's no longer dead, we know that we will live as well. Because his grave is empty, so one day will ours be. And God, don't let us soon forget that. But God, let us always be thankful. Let us always have praise and glory on our lips for you. Because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, let me pray for our service here. God... You know our hearts. You know our needs. You know where we stand. You know what we're facing. You know what we deal with. You know the struggles that we have. Lord, there's nothing that is hidden from you. So, Lord, I'm just asking, have your way and your will here tonight in our midst. Do what only you can do, and we'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. God, touch here tonight. Stir our hearts. God, my desire is if there's any among us that don't know you, Lord, let tonight be the night that they repent and get things right before it's too late. If there's any here tonight that's just grown cold, Lord, let tonight be the night the fires are kindled again. If there's any here tonight that just stand in the need of a touch from you, let tonight be the night they receive that touch. Whatever it is, God, you're the searcher of hearts. You know it. Lord, we're just asking you. We're putting it into your hands and asking you to do what only you can do. And we'll give you all the glory. And one more thing, Lord, I need your help to preach tonight. I can't do it lest you give it to me. So I'm asking that you just preach me one more time here tonight. Give me the words you'd have me to say. And I'll be sure and give you all the glory for it. We love you. We worship you. We praise your holy name. We invite your presence in. God, we anticipate a mighty move of your spirit tonight. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. Um, I know I've skipped from chapter 13 to 16. Um, I did that on purpose because of what I pointed out to you already tonight. Uh, I will say chapter 14 and 15 are both interesting and good. Um, I will say that, uh, that if you wanted to dig in and give a detailed look to, uh, to 1 Samuel chapter 15, uh, I think that would be an interesting study. Uh, it provides insight. I talked a lot, and I, and I touched upon it this morning, uh, about um, how God views obedience and the downfall of Saul. Uh, it shows us just how high it is that obedience is on God's list. Matter of fact, in verse 22, it says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, King Saul's uh, uh, failure of obedience, right? Uh, it, that's what prompted God to reject him or caused God to reject him as king of Israel, right? Uh, and so what I started reading to you here tonight is God uh, calling uh, the prophet Samuel to go to the house of Jesse and to anoint one of Jesse's sons, okay? And so anyways, and, and, and hopefully that was clear as we read that, right? Uh, Samuel is still lamenting 
what has happened with Saul in the way that things have went. He's really had two really bad uh, encounters with Saul, um, you know, as far as what Saul has done and Saul's disobedience. I guess when I say bad encounters, I should, that's not the best way to say it. Maybe a better way to say it is they were very disappointed disappointing encounters, right? Samuel's very dis disappointed with what Saul has done, right? So we've gotten two encounters. The one I read to you this morning in chapter 13, right, where um, uh, Saul is, uh, makes himself, puts himself in the position of priest, uh, doesn't wait on God, uh, offers his own, you know, offers his own sacrifice, right, which I was telling you was a test. Remember what I told you. If you don't remember anything else from this morning, remember this. Saul panicked. He freaked out because his, his army, he saw his army just melting away. People, the, they were scared, they were leaving, and he was panicked, and he knew that he had to do, or he felt like he had to do something in order to stop uh, to, to, to stop the leak, to plug the holes, right? To stop his army from before he was left with nobody. So that's why he decided to go ahead and offer the sacrifices. But what Saul did not get was Saul did not need an army to defeat the Philistines. The only thing that Saul needed was God. And he just totally missed that. And then in chapter 15, just to give you a real quick review. There is another instance where God calls and has Saul and the army of Israel go and defeat the uh, people of Elimelech. Uh, oh, I just lost the name of it. Ameliach. Uh, that's not quite right, but that's close. Anyways, King Agag was their king, and he gives specific instructions. It's the same instructions that's given to Joshua when they go into the promised land. They're to destroy everybody, right? I mean, uh, uh, adults, uh, men, women, children, uh, livestock, uh, all of it. They're not to take, they're not to, they're not to keep any of it. The spoils are not to spoil it. They're not to keep any of the gold, any of the silver, right? They've got all these idols which would have been decked in silver and gold and, uh, you know, precious metals and things like that. They're not to keep any of it. Samuel shows up after the battle, after it's taken place. It's when Saul and Samuel encounter shortly after. And Saul, it's almost like a gleeful child comes to Samuel, but maybe it's he's guilty and he knows it. And he's, I mean, I know he knows he's guilty. But anyways, he goes to Samuel with the sound of livestock in the background, sheep bleeding, uh, oxen, uh, you know, uh, lowing and stuff. And he says, we've done what, everything God wants us to do. Samuel's like, really? What's that I hear? And that's where Saul says, well, okay, the best of the livestock, the troops wanted to keep, the men wanted to keep, the people wanted to keep the offer of sacrifices. And we kept uh, the king also, I guess, to maybe ransom or something. I don't really know. But what he's thinking was, and that's whenever... Uh, Samuel is like, you just don't get it. To obey is better than sacrifice. After this, that is when we, this final encounter between Samuel and 
Saul. Saul is finally rejected, fully, totally, completely rejected as king. Samuel is lamenting. He is mourning this loss and what has happened. And that's when God speaks to him and says, stop mourning for Saul. I've rejected him as king. Fill your, your horn. It's time to go anoint a new king. I've read to you the story of this. It's kind of a secret-ish anointing of David. David is a young man here. David is, now remember, King David. This is King David that um, later kills the giant Goliath, right? This is David, the man after God's own heart. This is David, the psalmist, right? This is, this is King David, right? The ancestor of Jesus, right? Uh, this, this is that David. And as I read through this, this account of the anointing of David. And I, and I kept reading. I didn't stop there. I read for several chapters. There was some things that I was absolutely struck by that I want to point out to you. Okay? Now, David is, is described here. Remember, remember how Saul is described? Saul is a man who looks like what a king ought to look like, right? Or how people picture that a king would look like. I mean, he was a hulking figure of a man, towering above everyone. He was a, he was, he was a good-looking man, right? It, it makes that point a couple different times, right? And so that's the picture, that's what he looked like. That is what people saw. He, he, that's, what, that's what the nation of Israel wanted, right? They're the one that wanted the king, right? This wasn't God's idea, right? This was the people's will that, that they're the ones that wanted the king, right? They rejected uh, God and, and wanted a king, right? Like all the nations around them. And so as Samuel goes, and Samuel is going through the sons of Jesse, the first one, the oldest one, he's another one of these that's kind of like Saul was when Saul was a young man. He's one of these tall, handsome, good-looking boys, right? That just He looks like a king. And as soon as Samuel sees him, Samuel's like, yep, it's got to be him. It's got to be him. God says, no. No, that's not. That's when God says, look, man looketh on the outward appearance, right? And the God says that he sees the heart, right? Man, that's, what, that's my point that I'm going to get at tonight is we need to figure out how to look at things the way God looks at things and see things the way that God sees things. And so anyways, uh, they start going through the sons, right? And they go through all, they go through seven of Jesse's boys. God says, no. I bring another one along, God says, no, not it. Once they've gone through all seven, and it's none of them, right? I mean, think about it. Jesse obviously is sure that it's got to be one of these seven, you know? 
And Samuel says, no, the Lord says it's none of those. He says, do you have any other sons? And he said, yeah, there's one more. There's one more. Nathan, come here. Come here. I promise it only hurt for a minute. He says, there's one more that's out with the sheep. You can come stand beside me. I can see you wasn't sure what to do there. One more out with the sheep. Boy, you're getting tall. This would work better if you was just a little bit shorter. That's all right. No, that's okay. There's one more out with the sheep. He's the youngest. You know, and, and they bring him in and it describes him. He's a good-looking young man. But uses that word ruddy, right? And I, I've looked at for, and I don't know, this is kind of what I picture, right? Here's a good-looking young man, ruddy, right? You know, and, and I think it's kind of reddish complexion, maybe just a little bit of red tint to, to the hair here, right? But this is not what people are looking at, thinking, maybe, maybe once you're full-grown, I think you'll be pretty big when you get grown, Nathan, so you, you, you got some more growing to do. But David is not the big, hulking picture of a man. He's just this ruddy boy. He's not who they're, looking, who they're looking for and they're thinking when they're thinking, we've got to come anoint a new king. Go, Nathan. I just could I, I don't know, I couldn't help it. Everyone is surprised. And I want you to think for just a minute, and I'm not picking on you, Nathan. I'm, I'm not mean to pick on you tonight. I've started something, but the time it's over with, I may regret it. Though you'll have to, you gotta love me anyway. Think about what everyone saw. Think about what what is Dakota see when she looks at you? She sees a past, doesn't she? She sees a little past. What do you think Nathan's brothers saw when they looked at him? They saw a past, right? What, what did Samuel see whenever Samuel looked at him? I, I'm going to go through some scriptures and prove all this to you here in just a minute. Samuel saw a good-looking young boy. But this is just a, this is just a young... I mean, probably the same way I see Nathan. I see a good-looking young boy that there's probably all kinds of potential in the future. But this is not the king of Israel. You know what I'm saying? But you see, we're looking out the wrong things. I, I've got, I, I made myself a list and brought it with me. Let's just go through it real quick. Let's, let's see what people saw according to the scripture. Okay? So I've already brought up the, uh, the, the siblings, right? The siblings saw a past. Let me prove it to you by the scriptures, all right? Uh, and, and, um, boy, I almost said Nathan's brothers. Um, uh, David's brothers saw that they saw a past. If you look at chapter 17 and verse 28, this is whenever that David is getting ready to defeat Goliath. But whenever he first comes on the scene, you know the story there, right? David's three oldest brothers are out in Saul's army, right? That are out, that are lined up against the, the Philistines, right? They're in active warfare against the Philistines. And so there comes a day, right, where it looks like to me David had been going back and forth 
checking on his brothers, taking stuff to them, uh, and, and reporting back to his father how things were going, right? But he was having to go back and forth because he was having to take care of his father's uh, livestock. And so anyways, there's a day whenever uh, his father puts together some, some goodies, right? Some bread and some cheese and, and things like that. Puts some goodies together to send to his brothers, right? A little taste from home. Give some to the commanders too, right? It doesn't hurt to butter them up, find a little favor there for his boys. And, and he sends David and so David can send a report back. When David gets there, right, David is struck by the scene that is taking place, right? There is a man like no man that you had ever seen before. I mean, we thought Saul was a big old boy. Saul was nothing compared to this man. This was a hawking beast, a monster of a man, right, of the Philistines, right? And he was coming out there every day onto the battlefield and he was shouting insults at the Israelites. He was mocking God and David is appalled by this scene. He's challenging Israel. He's like, look, here's the deal. You send your best warrior out here and if he can defeat me, we will be your servants. We will be your slaves. That's all you got to do. He's taunting them. They're hiding. They are, they are literally scared to death of him. Not a one of them. And David is appalled by this scene. David's like, who in the world is this? Who does this uncircumcised Philistine think that he is? See, we can see a little bit in David's heart there why David was a man after God's own heart, right? David knew who fought the battle. Do you see the contrast between David and Saul? Saul thought he had to have a stronger army to win, right? We talked about that this morning. David understood the only thing that he needed was God. Size, weapons, and the number of men did not matter if he had God. I'm sure you know that story and know the scene and know how it turns out that that the shepherd boy ends up uh, defeating the giant Goliath. But I want to point out to you as David comes out and he starts, he sees this and he's appalled by it. And he starts asking the other soldiers, right? He's getting a load out. Why in the world are people letting this go on? And then he starts being curious. Well, what will be done for the one that strikes him down? You know, he's seeing a little, I don't know if he's seeing a little opportunity, if he's being a little cocky or what. But anyways, verse 28 of chapter 17. And Elab, right, that's his oldest brother. That's the big good looking one, the strong one, right? That's the one that looks like a king. His eldest brother heard when he spake unto the men. And Elab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest down hither? And with whom have thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the uh, naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down uh, that thou mightest see the battle. In other words, his brother says, I know what kind of pest you are. I know what kind of little ornery brat you are. And he said, what about our father's sheep? Who have you left them with out there in that wilderness? You see, at this point in time, 
Samuel, I think Samuel had actually already anointed him as king, right, by this point. But you see something? His brothers, they didn't see it in him still. They didn't believe in him or his potential. All they saw was a pest, right? His own family did not see what God could and would do through him. His brothers saw a pest, but yet God saw a king. Listen to me. Can I just say this real quick before we move on to the next one? Don't sell your family short. Don't sell your, you know, symbolically here, your brother's ability to be great short. Don't sell your sister's ability to be great short. Don't let, and listen to me, if you're David, don't let what others around you, don't let what your family thinks limit your service for God. Don't let others, what I'm trying to say, no matter who you are or what position you're in or whatever, do not let other people discourage you because they look on the outward appearance, but God sees the heart. So first of all, remember, right? David's brothers saw a pest, but God saw a king. If you look at the text I read to you tonight in chapter 16, uh, in verse 11, and Samuel said unto Jesse, are, th- are here all thy children? Right? So Samuel's obviously clued in Jesse to what he's doing, what God has sent him there to do. And Jesse lines up all the boys that it could be, right? That's all of them but David. And after they went through all of them, and God says no, no, no to all of them, Samuel uh, said unto Jesse, Are these all thy children? And he said, The remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. I want you to notice, David's father, all he saw was a little shepherd boy. His own father. His own father did not see beyond the shepherd's responsibility. Now, this is David, who we know because he tells us in chapter 17, he's killed bears and he's killed lion with nothing but his staff, right? In order for, and and uh, slain, you know, in order to protect his father's sheep and to do his job as a shepherd. But nobody is thinking about these things. Nobody is seeing these things. And so when Jesse called on uh, each of his sons to pass by Samuel, he did not even bother to send for David. Jesse just saw a little shepherd boy. But God saw a king. We, we've got several kids that, are, that come here Sunday and Wednesday and that uh, God puts us in contact with and puts us around and we're able to minister to. And so, can I just say this to you before I move on? Let's strive. Let's strive to see, our, to see in our children what God sees in them. Remember, David's brothers saw a pest. His father only saw a little shepherd boy. But God saw a king. I mentioned to you a minute ago Samuel. I told you I think Samuel, all Samuel saw, was a nice young man. Right? I, I, think, I think Samuel was even caught up with the appearance of, of, of Elab. Right? That's why it said in, in verse 6, And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Elab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. Right? Samuel saw him and said, Surely to goodness, this is him. 
This is the one, you know. Just as soon as he saw him, even Samuel's caught up in that. Samuel was looking at the outward appearance, but God was looking at the heart. That's why the Lord had to say to Samuel, look not at his countenance or on the height of his stature, right? Don't look on how good looking he is and how tall that he is, right? Uh, Because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. When Samuel looked at David, all he saw was a nice looking Young, ruddy. I think that means freckle face, kind of red-complected, maybe a red tint to his hair. Young man. Listen to me. Samuel saw a nice young man, but God saw a king. And it's a hard thing. But even the prophet didn't see David's potential. His brothers saw a pest. His father saw a shepherd boy. And Samuel saw a nice-looking young, uh, a ruddy, nice-looking young man. But God saw a king. I want you to notice what King Saul saw in chapter 17. Now, I just talked about this. We didn't read this. But if you look at verse 33 in chapter 17, it says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. I think Saul, being a big man, had the idea and the impression that the big man is who always wins the fight. And that's what it takes to win. Right? I mean, we see that from his attitude already. And he looks at this boy and he thinks, this is a nice young boy, uh, but during, he don't stand a chance. Right? He's going to be a joke here. I mean, here is the leader of Israel. He stood head and shoulders above all, right? He was the king, and here he is, like a coward, hiding with everyone else. And he saw David, and David comes up, and you know what? Even though he knew in his mind from the moment he saw him, David don't stand a chance. He's going to let David go anyway. And I don't think for a minute he's going to let David go because he thinks David is, uh, you know, going to win, going to defeat this, uh, this giant. I think he lets David go because he sees David as expendable. He sees his life as expendable. He knows David as a youth. Uh, maybe he knows of him as a heart player. There's a question on which really comes first, whether uh, his encounter here comes first. Actually, because of a verse or two, I actually think that, um, that David coming and playing for Saul actually happens after this. Uh, but I don't know that for sure. It could be either way. It doesn't matter. But anyways, he, he knows these things, but he doesn't value his life because, he, because he's convincing his mind that David will get, will get smashed, smushed killed by this giant right but he's willing to send him into battle send this youth he makes it clear right he says he is a youth right i mean this is like the kids coming up to the door to sell you boys or well there's not boy scout cookies right girl scout cookies but whatever you get the idea and say here you go take you know go out there and fight this man of war who has been a warrior since his youth that is a giant of a man 
He sends him in a battle against Goliath thinking that he doesn't stand a chance. He did it because he saw his life as expendable. His brothers saw a pest. His father saw a shepherd boy. Samuel saw a nice young man. And David's own king, Saul, saw him as expendable. But you know what God saw? God saw a king. Can I throw one more out at you and then I'll quit? I want you to notice how Goliath saw him. Verse 42 and verse 43 of chapter 17. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Goliath saw him as an insult. To say, he has been challenging them day after day, send your mightiest, I mean now think about it, from Goliath's standpoint, from the other side for just a minute. Here he is, right? Undefeated, right? Giant, right? I mean, uh, never saw anybody any bigger than him, right? That kind of a man, right? Nobody has ever stood a chance to him. He's never even had to put out that much effort to, to, to win any fight or any battle because of his pure size before. He is going out daily. He is trying to lure Israel into a, what's really a trap, right, that he knows, right? He is, he is taunting them uh, day after day. He is mocking them and mocking their God. Uh, he is challenging them, send your best warrior out. And they send this little ruddy boy out there. with a staff and a slingshot. Goliath sees an insult. To Goliath, this is nothing more than an insult. He views him like you and I would view a mosquito, right? As something that is completely harmless, right? It is a nuisance Right? But one little slap is going to smash him flat and end it all. He saw him as an insult. He saw, he saw this whole thing as an insult. He saw him just as a kid. Now think about this for a minute. David's brothers, they see him as just a little pest. David's father, who loves him dearly, but still just sees him as a little shepherd boy. When Samuel comes knocking on the door and says, God sent me to anoint one of your sons as king, David was the last one that was on Jesse's mind. Jesse thought it could be any of them, but not David. Samuel sees him as a nice-looking young man, but that's it. His king, right, saw his life as expendable. And Goliath saw this as a big joke, and really as an insult. But God saw a king. Can I say tonight, 
Let our cry be, oh God, help us to see people like you do. Jimmy gave that testimony and started out about getting to work with a man that it changed his life because this man had the ability, if I remember right how Jimmy said it, had the ability to see past the outward appearance. Help us, God, to never discourage anyone. Help us to see beyond that outward appearance. If there's any Davids here tonight, can I speak to you a moment and tell you don't let, don't let what other people see limit you. Don't let what other people say discourage you. All right? Don't listen to them. And if any of David's family is here tonight, can I speak to you for just a moment? Can I tell you, don't discourage your David just because you can't see what it is that God sees. Right? We need to, all of us need to look for, uh, for God's potential in someone to see what God sees in them. That's what we need to be desiring. That's what we need to be looking for. Listen to me. Let it ring in your ears one more time when we talk about David. His brothers saw a pest, but God saw a king. His father saw a little shepherd boy, but God saw a king. Samuel saw this nice-looking uh, young man, ruddy and, and with a good countenance, goodly man, goodly boy. But all he saw was this nice young man. But God saw King. King Saul, all he saw was another life that was expendable. But God didn't. God saw King. When they sent him out there, Goliath saw it as an insult. And that's all he saw was an insult. But you see, God saw the king of Israel step out there on the battlefield, leading his army into victory for the first time. Can I encourage you tonight? Pray. Pray that God would help every one of us to see things as he does. We look out and we see defeat. We look out and we see impossible. We look out and we see hopeless, right? We look out and we see no use to even try, right? No use to even waste our time, right? We look out and we see all of these things because we're doing the same thing they were, the rest of the world was doing then. We're looking on the outward appearance. We're not looking the way God looks. We're not seeing what God sees. At any moment, at any time, in any service, we have our David setting in our service. Right? 
We have our, we have our Hannah setting in our services, right? We, ha- we have uh, ones that... I don't know how many times I've sat with groups of men, and I am ashamed to say, most of the time, most of them are ministers and pastors and things like that. And I've heard times where they literally do it in the nicest way possible, but mock and make fun of the efforts of others trying to do something for the kingdom of God. And, and on one hand, from a human side, I see what it is that they are talking about. But the problem is, we're doing the same thing all those people are doing. They're doing the same thing that those people are doing. If we're not careful, we'll do right? We'll, we'll sit around and do the same thing, or we'll think the same thing. We might not ever, we might be too polite and too nice to ever say it out loud to anyone else, but we'll think it. God really hit me and struck me a while back. There was an incident like that happening. And, and I thought, you know what? One person was saying and was talking, and I thought, you know what? Instead of sitting here and seeing them the way the world sees them, if you'd just come along and help them just a little bit, wonder what kind of difference that would make. Wonder what kind of difference that would make. We look at different ones even here. You know, see different ones come in and come through here and, our, and our, even in our own congregation. And I just wonder if we would just let God work through us and we'd come along and just uh, encourage them just a little bit, maybe give them a, give them a little help, you know, where we can. Right? Uh, you know, I mean, in the Lord, of course, we might be amazed at what we, what, what God, we would see that God could and would do. So can I just encourage you tonight? I, I don't know how to end this. Jennifer, maybe you just need to come on up here and start playing. Pray. Pray. I'll give you a confession. As a pastor, I'm bad about And I'm someone I am not. Have I told you before I always question God calling me to not only to preach, but to preach and to pastor. I have never been a people person. I just haven't. In my own life, there's been so many. Maybe that's why it struck me so there's been, there's been ones at different times as a pastor where you know what I saw? I saw a pest. I saw someone who's bothering me while I'm trying to do something for the Lord. Shame on me. Shame on me. I'm not seeing what God's seeing. Maybe I'm not the only one here tonight that's been guilty of something like that before. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you an opportunity to come tonight.
God's still calling, right? He's still calling ones to the mission field. He's still calling preachers to preach. He's still calling Sunday school teachers to teach. He's still calling us to go out into the world and to take the gospel, right, to a lost and dying world, to the uttermost ends of the earth. Maybe the Spirit of God is dealing with you tonight. Maybe you have a burden, and I'm going to ask you to come and unload it at the feet of Jesus. Come and set it at His feet. Maybe God's put somebody on your heart. You need to be praying for them. I'm going to ask you to come and pray for them then. Maybe there's something going on in your life, right? And, and you've got a need, right? And, 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 and you just you don't know what you're going to do. I'm going to ask you to come and pray tonight. Maybe God's asking you to do something. And God's seeing it in you, but you're having a hard time seeing it. I'm going to ask you to come and pray tonight. Maybe you're standing back there and maybe you have, uh, maybe you've not ever been saved. Maybe you're lost. Maybe you don't know if you were to die tonight, you don't know what would happen. You don't know whether uh, you would go to heaven or hell. You don't know, right? Maybe you've had some thoughts. Is any of this real? Is any of this even for real? You're not sure, but deep down you know you're scared, right? Let me invite you to come. Find out. Let me invite you to come. Pour your heart out to the Lord. I'm going to pray tonight that God would reveal Himself to you and make make Himself real to you in a mighty way. Right? What the Spirit of God is doing to your heart right now is not some accident. It's not by mistake. God is drawing you tonight. I'm begging you, don't miss this opportunity. Maybe you've played church for a long time. Now's the time to quit playing. Now's the time to come and get serious and get real. Whatever it is, church, tonight... Don't miss this opportunity. Don't miss this opportunity. Would you come tonight? Would you come?